Julie Rose, and this is Top of Mind. I have been a radio journalist for two decades, but a few years ago, I found myself avoiding the news for long stretches because of how depressing and divisive it all seems. I still wanted to be informed and engaged on important issues, though, and I figured I couldn't be alone in that. So we created this podcast. Each week, we tackle one tough topic in a way that will challenge you, help you feel more empathy, and empower you to become a better citizen, a kinder neighbor, and a more effective advocate. Today, we are learning to disagree better. Now, if that is the goal, the last place we ought to turn is a politician, right? I mean, what we see coming out of Congress and state capitals around the country is so often the opposite of civility and compromise, which is why it's so conspicuous and, frankly, refreshing that the new chair of the National Governors Association has made disagreeing better his signature initiative for the coming year. It's Utah Governor Spencer Cox, a Republican, and he's with me now. Governor, thank you so much for taking time today. Julie, thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this for quite a while. That's very kind of you. Uh, so the National Governors Association consists of all the governors, Democrats and Republicans around the country. How did they respond when you came right out of the gate and said, okay, folks, my term as chairman is going to be focused on being nicer? Well, you know, everybody has an initiative. Usually they're focused on things like healthcare, energy policy, right? The, the more traditional political things. Uh, but I, I, I was very careful about how I made this pitch to them. Uh, and and there, there are two things that I, that I think matter. One is I, I, I tried to convince them, and I, I don't, it didn't take much convincing, that we can't solve any of those other problems unless we solve this. If we can't talk to each other, if we can't, uh, you know, if, if we just hate each other, uh, we will never solve the biggest problem problems that uh, that they want to solve whatever their agenda is whether it's it's climate or healthcare doesn't matter we can't solve that if we can't have a conversation the, the second piece i think is really important and that is I, I actually had to convince them that it's not just about being nicer to each other although that's certainly important uh it's this is not just another civility initiative there's actual science behind what we're doing we've been working with uh with researchers from from major universities stanford's policy lab duke uh dartmouth and and this is is really about disagreeing and how important disagreement actually is. Civility is usually focused on let's just get along and and you know be, be unified. This is about disagreeing, but disagreeing in the right way. A healthy conflict versus the unhealthy conflict that we're seeing in our country that is tearing us apart. Uh, the the third thing I, I think I will say about my colleagues that made it so easy is that they are all feeling it. Um, they are they're tired of it. I, I do believe there's an exhausted majority out there. Uh, again, not not every politician and not every governor, uh, but but most governors, uh, it's been said that governors are kind of the last adults in the room when it comes to politics. And uh, we do work together. We do work in a bipartisan fashion. Uh, potholes are not partisan. We we have to get stuff done, unlike Congress. And and so it's it's a there is a little bit of a different incentive structure with uh, with governors. And I'm grateful for their willingness to jump in with me, uh, Democrats and Republicans. Can you share an example of? Um somewhere in America that you have seen healthy conflict actually play out? What does that look like in the current political climate that we're in? 
Yeah, well, uh, we we see it all the time. Again, with governors, uh, we we have lots of examples of this. There, there was, uh, there, there was. I'm trying to think of kind of the most recent things that have been in the news. There was an a, an incident in Colorado with Governor Polis, who happens to be my vice chair. He is a Democrat. We alternate uh, Republican and Democrat every year as chair and vice chair. So uh, he'll be the chair next year. But uh, there was a, a a young man who was uh, who was expelled from school because he had a patch on his backpack, I think it was a Gadsden flag, um, a historic flag of the United States that has been adopted by some far-right groups. And uh, and here, so you have this major conflict going on, and you have the governor of the state, a, a Democrat, who sees this as a potential teaching moment, and he, he steps up and he talks about the history of the Gadsden flag and the importance of, of free speech. And our, our you know, it's, it, that, that it's really critical. One of the hallmarks of our country is our ability to disagree uh, with without government intervening and, you know, kicking kids out of school, for example. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I thought it was very interesting that he was, you know, it was people from his party mostly that were were supportive of the action that the school took. To expel this kid, yeah. To expel this, yeah, this this kid. And he stepped in in a way and and really, I think, caused people to step back and and re-examine where they were coming coming from. It's so easy for us all now to just fall into these, these partisan traps where it's just, oh, here's our chance to own the other side and make them look bad and, uh, and and never push back against our side. And so I, I was really impressed with what, what he did last week. And I thought it was a good example of, of healthy conflict, of, of having a disagreement, but but doing so in a rational way and uh, and really changing the tenor of the, the discussion. I like how you said it, it's so easy to fall into these partisan traps. And I think it's the ease of it that makes it feel so so almost automatic. It's something that we talk a lot about here uh, on, on Top of Mind, the 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 challenge that it is to will ourselves to be will, to sit with sit in the presence of something that, that that we disagree with strongly rather than what feels like our natural inclination is just to you know lash out or like you said own the other side or shut it down just be like you are not worth my time I disagree with this you're clearly wrong I'm going to go back to with the people who agree with me so we call this on top of mind we call this a stick with it moment it happens all the time in our lives where you're, you're you encounter a situation or a perspective that is uncomfortable because, not because you're unsafe, but because you're in the presence of something that challenges you. <laughs> and uh, and to be willing to, to stick with that discomfort, to stay open and curious, humble even, not even to change your mind, just to, just to see where that might lead. And a lot of times it does. It leads to just more clarity. People, you can come away a better advocate for the stuff that matters to you. Um, and so I'd love to hear an example of that from you. Can you think of a time when you encountered a perspective, Governor Cox, um, that that you, your inclination, your natural gut instinct was to be like, no, thank you. I'm, I'm not going to, we don't even, we're not even going to have this conversation. Um, but you chose otherwise. Sure. Yeah. So um, I'm very lucky to serve in a position where I get opportunities like that, I guess, to say (laughs) um, uh, often. One example that that happened, um, it it happened, I was tangentially involved, but it's the best example I have of this. It happened this last legislative session. And uh, there, there was a, a, a very controversial issue. Uh, it, it involved the LGBTQ community, 
and um, specifically around conversion therapy. So I have to give you just a little bit of background. Um, several years ago, there was a bill to ban conversion therapy, and it failed um, at kind of the last minute. Um, governor Herbert then, I was his lieutenant governor, uh, went to work um, and, uh, well, l- let me back up. When that bill failed, I had an opportunity to do this. There were a lot of really upset people. In fact, we had a protest right outside of our office here at, at the state capitol, and it was after hours, and uh, I actually went out and um, sat on the floor uh, of the the state capitol with these young people who were protesting and had a really hard and uncomfortable conversation with them uh, about how they were feeling and and how betrayed they had felt by uh, by this bill that they thought was going to pass and then didn't how angry they were at the governor even though it wasn't it wasn't the governor's fault um and, and what I was if there, I if I could ask yeah. yeah so so what was uncomfortable for you about that they were angry with me yeah. and they were angry with with Governor Herbert and I was trying to explain to them how the process worked and why it didn't work and uh, it was, uh, yeah, it, w- it was, it was difficult. It was, it was extremely difficult. Um, and, and yet, um, I, I became a better person because of that conversation. And I was able to relay that to Governor Herbert. And, and instead of just stopping, which had kind of been the plan, uh, Governor Herbert went to work and was able to do something similar via, uh, via an administrative rule that, uh, that, that then prohibited, uh, the, the conversion therapy in the state. Now, fast forward a couple of years. So, so this legislative session, there was a bill to undo what Governor Herbert had done and bring back conversion therapy. Okay, so you had uh, you had the LGBTQ community who was very very upset with this, and uh, Troy Williams, who uh, is is the the head of Equality Utah, which is uh, an advocacy group for LGBTQ issues. And you had two um, very conservative politicians that were bringing this uh, bringing this bill back. They they agreed to sit down and have a conversation, and uh, that conversation wasn't a one time conversation or twice or three times. This conversation went on for several weeks. The lawmakers and this representative of Equality Utah. Exactly. Yes. So they they're trying to figure out is there compromise? Can they come up with something? And uh, it was looking very bleak. And uh, they but they they decided their words to lock themselves in a room and not leave until they had figured this out. And that's exactly what they did. And because they because they were both willing to trust each other and not use this as an opportunity, which is, again, all the incentives are aligned in the wrong way. Troy should have been using this, uh, according to the the political rules of the game, to fundraise, uh, to attack these legislators, to build up his base, to show that he was fighting the fight. These legislators could have used this to to push against the woke left and and you know their base would have loved it and they could have run this bill and uh and, and it would have helped them politically but to their credit they stayed in there and with our encouragement we 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 were involved around the fringes really pushing them to uh to try to come to an agreement and there was this magical moment where it it actually happened where the their minds came together they found the right words they their hearts were in the right place and uh and and they we we ended up with a bill um that ban conversion therapy uh, and completely, and it was supported by both the right and the left. It passed unanimously. Uh, in a very conservative legislature, there was a unanimous bill to actually ban conversion therapy. 
at the bill signing. We had not only Equality Utah from the left, but we had the Eagle Forum, which is an ultra conservative uh, on the right group together uh, at the bill signing, taking a picture together. Hmm. Uh, it was a really, really special moment. And I was grateful that I got to be a part of it. And I was grateful that I had a front row seat to watch these two people who disagree on so many things, but they were committed uh, to the process and and to trusting each other, which is really hard to do when there's a when there's a lack of trust in 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 these areas today. And, and what they came out with was, was was something brilliant and beautiful that that unfortunately didn't get much media attention. Yeah, but how, how was it not clearly a loss for the conservative lawmakers who, in the end, apparently gave up their plan to try to bring back conversion therapy? Yeah, because what they what they were able to get as as part of this, and and what they realized when they got down to the core of what was happening, um, the the rule that had been in put into place made it almost impossible for therapists and kids and families to even have conversations about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what what they what they allowed them to do was to to put in place some protections for uh, for the, those therapists that that were able to have conversations about what they were going through, what kids were going through, to really help them through this. What they realized is that they were all kind of seeking the same thing, but they were just talking about it in the wrong ways. And and again, in your tribal corners, it, it was it was so hard to see what they were really trying to accomplish. Um, the, these these legislators weren't really that interested in conversion therapy, right? But they were interested in something that had been taken away through that process that they felt that was important. And once which that was, was the ability of the therapist to have conversations about possible changing yes. of orientation or behavior. Exactly, okay. and and once and 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 once Troy and and his team kind of really understood what they were what they were trying to get at, huh. and realized that you know that they actually supported that too. They wanted kids to be able to have full conversations with therapists and and and, and therapists not saying I yeah, I can't even touch this because I don't want to break the law and I'm not it's not really clear what the law is and uh, and so so we we came to this beautiful thing where where now uh, both sides were able to get something uh, but but they also were okay with what the other side got. It, it wasn't a zero-sum game. Mm. It wasn't a scarcity mindset. It became an abundance mindset and uh, and and that can happen more often than than not when we give each other the space and we're as you said we're curious and we're humble. I, I use those two words all of the time because that's what I saw. I saw curiosity, uh, a willingness to try to um, understand really where the other person is coming from, and then a humility to think, well, maybe I'm not right. Maybe I don't have all of the answers, but I, I'm willing to walk down this road together with you, and let's see how far we can get. I'm speaking with Utah Governor Spencer Cox. Um, let's let's take another example. Um, one that you were involved in that, that that required you having to make a decision to stay uncomfortable and stay in a conversation when maybe on the on the, on the surface there didn't seem to be an awful lot for you to gain. Um, and if maybe if I could put one on the table for you, <laughs> if you wouldn't Please. mind. So not too long ago, President Joe Biden came to the state of Utah, and um, you took some heat from members of your own party, the Republican Party, for extending the welcome mat to the president, being there on the tarmac when Air Force One landed um, to welcome him. And and I just wonder beyond that, like in terms of conversations that you had with President Biden, he was here in Utah. He had just come from um, designating a new national monument that you have been very vocally opposed to. Um, so talk to me a little bit about like what, what you were hoping to accomplish going into conversations with him. Um, and why you felt like it was even worth engaging, given 
the environment we live in where even having a conversation with the enemy, I'm using air quotes, could get you so much flack from your own party that, you know, it could be politically problematic for you. Well, look, first of all, um, you know, that that never used to be a, an issue. When the president came to your state, it's, it's just what you did. We th- There was never even a question about that. It, and really probably until I would say, you know, maybe five or six, seven eight years ago, maybe a little longer, maybe the last decade, where, where that's even been part of the, the, the kind of the, the conversation. And, and I think it's very sad that we, we've we've gotten that that far afield. And so I, I never hesitated. It, it was never even a consideration for me that I would meet the president. Uh, when, when we did meet him on the tarmac, uh, he was very kind to invite Abby and, and myself uh, to ride with him in the uh, in, in his vehicle, uh, the Beast, I think it's it's called, <laughs> as, uh, as, as we transited to his hotel. It's only about a 10-minute ride to his hotel. We spent probably 30 minutes in the car together. We got to the hotel and just, just kept uh, talking because the conversation was was so positive um, and yet uncomfortable at times as well. Uh, I, I did express to him my concerns with the, the decision that he had made around this national monument, and uh, I was able to explain to him why I thought it was a mistake and, and why uh, I thought it was a mistake even from his vantage point and his viewpoint because of some of the things that he wanted to accomplish around uh, electrification of, of the grid and decarbonizing the atmosphere and the critical minerals that we need are, are located, uh, some of them, within the boundaries of that new monument. And we're relying on China and others to get those critical minerals. So I said, look, I, to accomplish your goals, I think this is a bad idea. And let, let me tell you why. Uh, but also an opportunity to thank him because we had we had pushed back, even though the monument wasn't in Utah, it, it impacted Utahns in the southern part of the state, especially ranchers who... Uh, uh, who uh, crossed the border into Arizona uh, to, for grazing for their their sheep and their their cattle. And uh, grazing uh, under the initial proposal of the monument um, would have been excluded. I had reached out to the president and uh, and asked him if he would reconsider uh, and allow grazing in the monument. And uh, to his credit, he he did. He uh, they they removed that exclusion to allow ranchers to uh, to continue grazing within the boundaries of the monument. And I, I wanted to thank him for that. And 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 I can tell you again, just from a just from a purely partisan standpoint, if I hadn't worked to cultivate a relationship with the president um, over time, uh, then I, that never would have happened. Uh, he, he, I, I'm sure he would have said, why, I, why would I care what that governor thinks? Mm. But but we do have a relationship. He knows we disagree on things and, and we're not afraid to... We're not afraid to go the rounds on that, but we we try to do it with respect, and and in so doing, when we when we're asking for a favor, um, he's much more likely to consider that favor, and, and I'm grateful for that. And so I I, I think it, even if you just look at it from a wins and losses standpoint, um, our, our ability to get more wins actually increases when we we treat people with dignity and respect. But that doesn't mean it doesn't mean we we shouldn't disagree. And I, again, I think that's important. It doesn't mean that we just have to roll over. But but our, our nation was founded on profound disagreement, and that's okay. But it should be about persuasion. And we've gotten completely away from the persuasion piece of this. Uh, you don't persuade. I, I always ask people, I, especially students, I said, have, have you ever, when someone has attacked you, has that ever changed your mind? When, when someone has told you you're an idiot, you're, you're terrible, you're, you're a horrible human being, has that ever changed your mind? And the answer is always no. All, all it does is make you want to fight. It hardens your position. And so if we, tr- if we truly want to win hearts and minds, we've got to get back to persuasion. And, and you can't do that by, by simply attacking people. 
Do you worry that it makes it harder to get reelected, though? <laughs> I mean, it's a unique <laughs> challenge for a politician where, you know, being able to say, I really took it to the president or whatever of the opposing party is, you know, that, that excites a certain base of voters that can be really important in winning re-election. Sure. So the answer is yes. Uh, there's no question. I, I do worry uh, about it and, and the ability to get reelected. Um, but but I, I do believe, and, and we're seeing it, that there is an exhausted majority out there. I, they're the people who listen to the, this podcast, right? People who are tired, even if they engage in it, even when we do it and it feels good in the moment, um, we, we usually regret it afterwards. And we don't like the way it, it makes us feel. Um, and uh, and so, so yeah, I, I do worry about it. And look, I'm still guilty of it. It's, it's natural to us to fight back. Um, if I can give just another quick example, I... I uh, I, I was I was asked in a press conference about immigration and, and immigration reform. I've been asked this, I swear, uh, nine hundred times, uh, and and it's one of the most frustrating things because I think it's the easiest of the big problems to solve. Most Americans are actually aligned. Most Democrats, a majority of Democrats, actually believe that we need to secure the border, and most Republicans actually believe that we need to fix legal immigration. And so it's there's there's vast agreement amongst Republicans and Democrats. Politicians, though, love this divisive issue because it's very easy um, to use it for our to, to to gin up our base to make the other side look evil and uh, and and terrible. And so I get so frustrated with the politicians on this one, especially Congress. And my uh, the you know it's kind of I, I got asked about it again, and I kind of lost my composure a little bit. And I just said, look, uh, referring to members of Congress, I said they're all imbeciles and they should all be fired. And, uh, you know, it was, I, I walked out of there. I looked at my phone and I started getting texts from people I hadn't heard from in, in years. It's like, oh, I heard your press conference. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you so much for calling. They are imbeciles. And then every newspaper headline led with that. Within the next, within the next hour, it was all Governor Cox calls members of Congress imbeciles. And the, the media took off with it. And people love it. People absolutely loved it. And I realized I'd made a huge mistake. I, I mean, again, I, I believe in attacking ideas, not people. And by, by, by name calling, which is exactly what I had done, dehumanizing members of Congress, saying they're all imbeciles, kind of, uh, just a broad brush. I had I'd done exactly the types of things I tell people we shouldn't be doing. And the rush was incredible. Uh, again, so it's, it's one of the most popular things I've probably said. <laughs> and so, so yeah, there, there is an incentive structure out there for all of us to do this stuff. I, it's so easy to fall down that trap. I will say two hours later, um, I publicly apologized and said, I, I shouldn't be calling people imbeciles. I, I, there is a, a, a another piece to this story that I have to tell you. I actually spoke at a conference in Gettysburg with uh, Braver Angels. Uh, you're familiar with the Braver Angels folks. Mm. This was their national convention. Hundreds of people from all over the country in an auditorium. I tell them this story and, and I get to the part where I'm like, they're imbeciles and they should all be fired. And here are these people who are literally at a conference. This is all they preach, brave angels. And I, everybody started cheering at me for calling them all imbeciles. <laughs> you're like, no, 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 you're missing the, mo the point, the lesson here. <laughs> yes, and I said, see you guys, you're proving the point. This is so hard. It's hard work. And uh, and we constantly have to check ourselves. And so uh, I, it's one of the problems with picking this initiative 
perspective is that now I'm under a microscope. I'm yeah. heading into an election year. I'm up for re-election next year. And uh, every time I make a mistake, I assure you, everybody will be ready to pounce to say, oh, wait, you're the disagree better guy. And look, you're no better than everybody else. And, uh, and so I, I think we have to give people some grace um, to, to, to realize that we're all human and we're all going to make these mistakes. And I, I try to judge people not by their actions, but by their intent. And uh, and hopefully, hopefully some people will judge me that same way. What will signal success for you, Governor Cox, finally, if, uh, you know, at the end of this year, this Disagree Better initiative, your chairmanship at the National Governors Association, what, what will make it worth it? Yeah, there, so we 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 actually have measures of success. Things we're looking at, we're 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 uh, we're trying to do this again scientifically. Um, what, what we found is in talking to the experts, uh, there there uh, Stanford has run some experiments, um, what they call interventions, uh, using videos, uh, different types of videos, and and they they uh, they show them to over thirty thousand people, and uh, and then they've been able to measure uh, the the response to those videos from uh, from a, a, a toxic divide. Are, are we able to lower the temperature. Mm -hmm. And uh, I actually did uh, an ad that they used in their experiment uh, with my my opponent, a Democrat, uh, Chris Peterson, when I ran uh, three, four years ago now. And uh, we we did one that said, you know, I'm governor, I, I, I'm not governor, I'm Spencer Cox, and I'm a Republican, I think you should vote for me. He said, I'm Chris Peterson, I'm a Democrat, and I think you should vote for me. Well, we disagree about a lot of things. We, we both agree that we can disagree without hating each other, that we will accept the results of this election, that uh, we, you know, we will try to make our state a better place. So that that actually scored really high on their um, on their their metrics and and their response in terms of people and, responding to it or yes okay so so okay. what 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 the experts are telling us is that when you can get people in a position of authority uh, of different parties to show respect for each other and to show that th there is this perception gap um, it's not what Republicans really think or Democrats really think but it's what Republicans think Democrats believe and what Democrats think Republicans believe is far different than what they actually believe. And that perception gap leads us um, as individuals uh, to do things we wouldn't normally do. So for example, as a Republican, if I believe that Democrats are want to violate democratic norms, that they don't believe in the Constitution, they don't believe in the rule of law, then, then I am willing to also uh, not follow the law and and the Constitution because I I have to fight them right mm -hmm. and so if you can close that perception gap people are much less likely uh, to do stuff that we saw you know during riots in 2020 and on January 6th at Capitol Hill and so when you can get uh, a high uh, you know a high level public official uh, two of them together then uh, then then we know the science tells us that that is really positive so what we're doing is we have asked governors republicans and democrats to film ads uh, with their counterparts um, in their states. So, so either you know, a mayor, a member of Congress, or another governor of, of the other party. Uh, governor Polis and I did the first one around the dinner table, um, an ad that, that went viral. It's it, it, you know, it's 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 talking about how we can disagree better within our families, your your MAGA uncle and your woke niece at dinner together. Like we can do this. And so the the more participation we get from governors, that's a measure of success for me. We've got over a dozen now that are are working on ads uh we just filmed the first one in indiana we're, we're or the second one we're really excited about that so the, the number of participants we get is is one measure of, of what we're doing 
We're also holding convenings all across the country. So we will have five, uh, four or five of these convenings in different states. We're headed out to New Hampshire next week. We're, we're very excited about that one. We have several governors from kind of the East Coast coming in, experts from this field uh, coming in and talking to those. And then we'll be having model debates on college campuses as well. And so we're looking at the reach, the social reach. Um, we're fundraising for this. We've raised about $2 million to produce these ads and, and get more out there. If we get, if we're able to fundraise more, we'll we'll put more ads. We're trying. We're hoping our, our greatest goal is to actually get them on TV, um, not just on social media, but on TV. So we'll be looking at that as well. And then and then we we're measuring. We're looking at the data out there on just the public response uh, to uh, to these divisive issues. Are is the pendulum starting to swing back? We're heading into the next most divisive election of our lifetime. It looks like seventy five percent of Democrats don't want Joe Biden to run seventy percent of Republicans don't want Donald Trump to run. And yet it looks like those are going to be the two candidates. And so what happens? Does this look like 2020 again? Or or is it is it better? Um, is it slightly better? Can we avoid a January sixth? Um, because what we I firmly believe that the the trajectory we are on now is unsustainable and will lead to sustained violence down the road. Political violence, uh, we are seeing increases in that. Every every political scientist I've talked to is deeply worried about that, and so we feel like we have to start somewhere. I know we're not going to change the world in a year. Um, just uh, you know, a few governors trying to, trying to disagree better, but I think we can start. And, and we can help lift other people who are doing great work like you and, and others who care deeply about this issue. Utah Governor Spencer Cox, thank you so much for your time today, Governor. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, so how about you? I would love to hear what sticking with it looks like in your life. Tell me about a time when you encountered a perspective or a situation that really challenged you or that you really disagreed with. And instead of getting defensive or shutting it down immediately, you tried to stay open and curious and civil. <laughs> How did that come about? What was the result of sticking with that discomfort for a bit? You can email your story to topofmind at byu.edu. And we will be back in a couple more weeks with another of these stick with it conversations for our special series. But next week here on the Top of Mind podcast, a topic we all love to argue about, the right and wrong way to speak English. What is your language pet peeve? The thing that just makes your skin crawl when you hear it. I will be sharing mine on Top of Mind next week as we take a hard look at what's behind this urge to correct the way other people talk. I'm Julie Rose. We'll talk soon. Mm-hmm.